think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. So they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas, my trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 390 of Low Limit Football on this 28th of May, 2023. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, an exciting finish to the Bundesliga season sees Bayern Munich win their 11th straight title after a late 2-1 victory over Cologne, while Dortmund draw 2-2 with Mainz. Luton Town win promotion to the Premier League after penalties against Coventry City. Maurizio Pochettino is officially in at Chelsea. The Europa League final is set to kick off this week as Sevilla and Roma get ready to face each other in Budapest. And we're going to take a closer look at La Liga and all the news coming out of there this week with our very special guest, European football journalist Ben Hayward, who will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man? How are you, Joe? It's good to be back. Here we are, you know, right at the end of the month. Here we are speaking on the day of the final day of the Premier League where we might have, you know, two historic giants being relegated. Obviously, we're talking about Leicester, Everton uh, and Leeds. Only one of those teams will remain a Premier League team come next season. But yeah, you know, going into what you mentioned, a lot has been going on over the last few days. We've seen, you know, new teams entering the Premier League. We've seen Obviously, new managers going to go and take charge of teams next season. Obviously, we saw titles be decided in Germany. Um, you know, obviously, we got competitions reaching their finals. Uh, like you said, the Europa League happening this week. So, yeah, a lot to talk about here. It's it's always an exciting time when leagues are being decided, like I've always said, when competitions are about to be decided. And it's all going to be over in just a few weeks. But that means the silly season's right there, right there and not... Um, and before you know it, the season for 2023-24 will begin yet again. It, no doubt about it. And this is, you know, this is like the next 10 days or 12 days are really just jam-packed with uh, with excitement. And then um, we also, you know, one thing we haven't been mentioning too much is the U-20 World Cup. We're getting to the knockout stages now for many of those teams. Uh, so that's been exciting to watch as well. So. USA unbeaten, by the way, as well, in, That's their, right. in their first three games. I think they haven't even conceded a goal, if I remember correctly. Uh, uh, I believe 
Yeah. 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 So uh, it's yeah. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. Hopefully, uh, they can continue that run, and uh, we'll see if they can uh, bring home a title, which would be um, absolutely amazing if they could do that. So, but there's some tough teams. I I I, I have to look back at the things. I think they got Brazil or Italy next. Um, and neither of those are going to be very, very easy if they do get one of them. So we'll have to see. Um, my friend, I, I know we're going to jump into it because we've got a lot to talk about. We had a great interview with Ben Hayward uh, a little earlier uh, to talk about uh, everything going on in La Liga, especially the you know the black eye that is the racism situation there. Um, so I can't wait to get to that. But you have trivia, my friend. So if you want to lay it on me, I'll see if I can get it right or wrong. <laughs> Let's do it. So Luton Town become the latest team to become a Premier League club. You know, it's hard to believe that this is their first time going into the Premier League. So my question to you is, with them being the latest one, how many different clubs have played in the Premier League since the formation of the league in 1992? Wow, that's going to be a tough I one. I just need a number. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's higher than 20, of course. Yes, it is definitely <laughs> higher than 20. So we'll, we'll definitely have to give you that. I'll answer. give you a hint. It, it is still double digits. It hasn't reached <laughs> triple digits. So. All right. All right. So that's cool. All right. So we'll, we'll be, um, yeah, we'll have to give you that answer at the end of the show. I'm just trying to think of some of the teams. I know you and I had a little like after conversation with Ben. Yeah. And we're talking think, about think, some teams. think real back, you know, teams who have played in the league that are maybe in the second division, third division, fourth yeah. division, some even non-league. So definitely true. think about it. Very true. Let's uh, let's jump into opening thoughts. Uh, and, and the opening thoughts are going to be the, the wild finish that we had in the Bundesliga this weekend with uh, with basically the two matches, uh, you know, to decide the title. We had Bayern Munich facing off against Cologne and we had uh, Mainz and Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund walked into the match. Um, at Signal Iduna with the one point lead over Bayern and uh, and couldn't pull it off. Uh, Bayern win 2 1 on a late Jamal Musiala goal and uh, and Dortmund go down 2 0. You and I were talking about it a little earlier before we started recording. Uh, going down 2 0 early, uh, Sebastian Heller missing a penalty four minutes after Mainz scored their first goal. Um, they get a consolation draw out of a Nicolas Soule uh, goal of, of all people in like the 95th minute, um, but ultimately was not enough to pull it off and uh, Bayern Munich win their 11th title. Um, it's amazing because the, the change or, or the turn from from Dortmund possibly winning this title to going back to Bayern Munich really, I think, sets a tone for Dortmund moving forward over the next couple of years. I heard, I believe it was Max Bredos possibly on, on um, it was either Max Bredos or it was Eric Winalda talking on SiriusXM about how Dortmund, if they won this title, could possibly just discard that selling club uh, mentality because now they're there, right? They, they've won the Bundesliga. They've they've taken it away from from Bayern, and uh, and then they can move forward with a, with a strong young team. And maybe they wouldn't have to sell. Now, w- with literally change in minutes, we go from being a potential buying club or at least a stable club. Uh, back to the old selling Borussia Dortmund, where they're selling the lights of Erling, likes of Erling Holland. They're selling Robert Lewandowski. They're you know they're selling all these other players, and you know is it just back to wash, rinse, repeat with Borussia Dortmund, where they're just going to sell again? Um, obviously, the uh, Jude Bellingham is uh, all but done in terms of him going to Real Madrid. You talk about Gio Reyna. You talk about some of the other younger players that we saw featured yesterday. I, I want to ask you first: Is this 
is this going to be partially the fallout of Bayern winning their 11th title? Is Dortmund go back to selling again? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of been like that for the last decade, really. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's an unfortunate way to lose, I think, you know, for any team. And, you know, rightly so. I think you don't see a lot of crises that Bayern Munich can deal with, you know, during the season. You know, the fact that they had to sack Nagelsmann and comes in Tuchel to really change the side. And, and you know, for a minute we were thinking, OK, this is probably the best Dortmund side that we've seen in quite some time that they could indeed win it. Um, you know, it wasn't like that in the past, we, you know, because we've seen Dortmund win Bundesliga before, but that's because maybe Bayern Munich sides haven't been as, you know, strong as beforehand, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there will be fallout. I think certainly we already see that with some of the players that are going to be sold, obviously, next season with Jubelgen possibly going to Real Madrid. Um, I'm sure they'll probably get some other players that are going to be sold. I, I I would assume someone like Marco Royce is going to be on his last legs and that he's probably going to be leaving very, very soon. And, you know, it's unfortunate. The guy came in uh, to a by uh, Borussia Dortmund side that just won the Bundesliga. That was the last Bundesliga title back in 2012 mm-hmm. and hasn't won it ever since. And I think that's that's sad to see. But, yeah, it's, that's something about football. I mean, you know, certainly even for Bayern Munich, and we're probably going to discuss it in a bit, just, you know, how such a season like this where anything can go wrong and you know for some clubs in the world Joe you know this winning a title is the highlight of their season for some players the highlight of their careers because maybe they'll never get a chance to win it but not a club like Bayern Munich even after winning their 11th straight Bundesliga title uh you still see their CEO and sporting director getting sacked by the the board yeah and I kind of wanted to jump into that a little bit here right away because I feel like, not I feel like, but you almost know that that was going to happen no matter what. And I think that goes back to the Julian Nagelsmann situation, right? I, I when, they, when they went to Thomas Tuchel from Nagelsmann, you saw a precipitous fall off in, in terms of Bayern Munich and, and, and their quality, right? Uh, they, they drop out of Champions League immediately. They dropped into second place in the Bundesliga. And really, you know, it wasn't so much uh, Bayern Munich winning the title as it was Borussia Dortmund losing the title. And I think at this point, um, you know, losing Oliver Kahn and uh, uh, Hassan, I'm going to butcher his name, Salima Zich, or um, I I know that's wrong, but whatever. Uh, You know, it was almost destiny that they were going to be sacked over. the, And I think it was over the Nagelsmann situation. I mean, what are your thoughts? This was kind of for me, it was kind of preordained. And I think it was part of what happened at, you know, so late in the season. What are your thoughts on how things went down there? Yeah, I mean, it's brutal. It really is brutal when you think about it. I mean, you know, winning a title and then getting sacked. I, I feel bad for Nagelsmann because, you know, obviously that that is his team that would have been able to to win it. You know, obviously, to gets the gets the uh, the Bundesliga title, but you know, yeah, I mean, it's 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 part of that mentality. Whether or not it's a good one, because I think it shows the standards of what Bayern Munich can offer, um, is is still up for discussion. But still, it's just it's crazy to think that you know for that to happen, even after winning a Bundesliga title, and you know, for some, it's the bare minimum. You know, I mean, the fact that they didn't win the Champions League and, and no other trophies as well shows that <laughs> there are standards that have to be placed uh, at Bayern Munich. And you know, obviously, a lot gets blamed to the um, to the managers from various managers beforehand, even from someone like Hansi Flick who went there and, and moving on from other managers. Um, it shows the standards. Now, having said that, now with this kind of 
the board really taking its responsibility and, and of course, you know, showing that <laughs> they can indeed just win everything right there. And, and for them to just win it like that on the final day is, for them, it's a disappointment. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen now heading into next season, just, you know, what's going to what's going to happen to them. I imagine Tuchel's going to stay put next season and, you know, pressure's going to be now on him to see if he can really help the side move forward and, and be able to, to be successful on all fronts and not just the Bundesliga, obviously, to win another title, but also in the Champions League and the Pokal and any other competitions that they are out to play for. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to read this from the CBS Sports article from uh, Chuck Booth. Uh, manager Thomas Tuchel confirmed in his post-match interview that the decision was made prior to the game, and it's a decision that shows how dissatisfied Bayern are with how the season has gone, despite the fact that they ultimately eked out a title. While they still get to celebrate their 11th straight crown, this season hasn't been close to Bayern's standards. After the match, it even came out that Khan wasn't allowed to be in attendance at Cologne to celebrate the title, which, while harsh, shows everything about how boards feel about the season. Um... So think about that. Oliver Kahn, who's, I mean, a legend, right? And uh, and he's a legend at, at Bayern Munich, wasn't even allowed to be there to celebrate the title. They they basically sacked these guys prior to them even kicking off. Win or lose, they were gone. Um, but it also goes to show you that Bayern Munich right now, with everything that happened with Nagelsmann, the way the season went down, and, and even though winning a title, a disappointing season, um, Bayern's prepared and and have hit the reset button on on their team. What do you think um, we see? Do you think we see them maybe sell off a few players, or you know maybe not bring a couple of people back? And, you know, Thomas Muller, who's starting to get up in age. Uh, you know, I start to think about him. Do they try to sell pieces like Alfonso Davies and and try to make some money? You've got Joao Cancelo, who's there on loan from City. Um, you know, do they send him back? Do they make that move permanent? What do you what do you think uh, is next for Bayern in this reset that they're going to do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's that really. It's that you know. I think some of the players that you know helped them win this Bundesliga title, albeit in the most dramatic circumstances, I think also have to be demonstrated that you know this isn't like I said. The same thing goes for the board and their standards. The same thing goes to the players. And so I think yeah, I think there are going to be some key pieces. I don't. I haven't read anything about anything in terms of like actual names that might be leaving but like i think certainly they want to fix up that that Lewandowski hole that has been placed ever since he left for barcelona i think they definitely want to get a top number nine um this isn't any disrespect to someone like triple moting or serge nabry but i think they want to go for someone that is very much consistent and very much mm. um of top top quality that they can rely on for the majority of the season instead of having to to improvise on other players yeah, you know, I you could almost you know just just thinking off the top of my head, uh, if if Inter don't make the uh, Lukaku move permanent and he goes back to Chelsea, I could see Chelsea selling them, you know, selling Lukaku to Bayern Munich for some type of fee. I could, I think he would fit in in a place like that, and and we'll have to see. But they do have to replace that number nine. Chupo Moting, you know, is nice, but he's not Robert Lewandowski. He's not the the player that Bayern Munich are looking for in that in that particular spot. So. Um, I think that's where they will start their their rebuild or their restructure, and then we'll have to see where they go from there. Um, you know, also the the Manuel Neuer situation, right? I mean, they bring in Jan Sommer because Neuer goes skiing and breaks his leg. Um, do they move on from Manuel Neuer? Uh, I, I can't imagine they're happy with the way that went down. 
Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still reliable. I think he's still someone that is, um, again, one of the greatest of all time. So I don't think they'll get rid of him just like that. I think certainly he's able to, to still be a top player. But, you know, now we have Sommer on the side as well, who you know has been kind of decent as well mm. at Bayern. I think, yeah, you kind of left with a hard choice, really. But I think they still keep with him, honestly. I don't think they would get rid of him like that, especially given the impact that he's had at that club for so many years. I, I think... They'll still keep with him, and you know, hopefully that doesn't happen again where he has to have to deal with a, a big injury that makes him miss out the entire season. Yeah, that that might be part of the 2.0 build, um, rebuild, not the 1.0. I think we're going to see 1.0 this summer, and then and then we'll have to see. They'll probably reassess that um, either midway through the season or, or maybe next summer. I think we'll probably when they'll actually address that particular situation. So um, let's table our discussion on Bayern Munich, and, and congratulations to winning their 11th straight title. And let's go look at La Liga because that one's coming down to the wire, especially the relegation race, which is probably one of the most interesting races in Europe this season. We were able to be joined earlier by European football journalist Ben Hayward, where we got to discuss many, many things, including the racism situation going on in Spain. We got to discuss the the uh, the relegation race. Um, it's a race nobody wants to win. We even got to talk a little Carlo Ancelotti. So without further ado... The Ben Hayward interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football, European football journalist Ben Hayward. Ben, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you back. I, I want to open the discussion. I know uh, we, we we talk about La Liga a lot, but I really want to get into um, what's happened with Vinicius Jr. and the whole racism situation. You have an incredible article um, on your Substack, uh, and obviously, I'd like you to plug that at the end of the of the interview. Um, but about the everything that's happened with Vinicius Junior, um, racism in La Liga itself, uh, and and how it's become so much of a problem. Uh, we had uh, Diacabi from Valencia refusing to stand behind a a racism out of football banner uh, last week, where it almost seems like La Liga is trying to save face. You've got Javier Tebas, the uh, the president of La Liga making some kind of backhanded comments in a recent interview, repeating some of these racist slurs that um, that people have been saying. Um, obviously, this is a massive problem in La Liga. We know it's a massive problem in multiple leagues, but uh, it's really come to the forefront here over the past couple of weeks after the uh, the incident at uh, the Mastaya. So in your opinion, what needs to change? What needs to happen for La Liga and to, to, to get ahead of this and to, to maybe start to actually enforce some change. Well, yeah, thank you, Joe. And thank you, Roberto. Thank you both for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, it's just a shame that we have to be talking about this topic because um, I think it's one that, that that nobody wants to be talking about. But, but here we are, you know, again. And uh, it's something I wrote about uh, a few months ago in February when Vinicius Jr. was... Um, racially abused in the in the game away to Mallorca. And it, it's just happening over and over again. And uh, so I wanted to write about it again, uh, just because I feel it's important uh, that, that we write about it. And, you know, some of the reaction which you touch upon has been so disappointing in Spain. Uh, from Javier Tebas, the La Liga president, as you mentioned, obviously he apologized for his comments. So I think he, he basically had to. Uh, after um, you know the uh, the backlash that he received, uh, it's just so negative for La Liga. And then you have the the possibility that that you know sponsors of La Liga will be looking at this and thinking, hang on a minute, uh, is this the, a, a kind of league that we want to be associated with? Is this these comments made by the president? Do we want to be associated by that? So I think Tebas had to apologise 
Um, uh, but I think his reaction was was extremely disappointing, and uh, some of the media as well. There's a lot of and, and fans and social media. There's a lot of uh, victim blaming going on. There's a lot of talk of uh, well, it's 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 a campaign from Real Madrid um, when we, we should be focused on on the topic of hand at hand, which is racism. There's still this idea in Spain that Vinicius Junior is uh, somehow uh, responsible for this because he's provocative um, because of some of his gestures, some of his reactions on the pitch. And that doesn't excuse racism. It, it just doesn't. And But in Spain, the, the, this idea somehow persists that, that it's partially his fault. And so um, how do we solve it? Well, that's difficult, isn't it? You know, I think we need to um, I think it's a, a society problem. You know, I lived in Spain for almost 15 years. I love Spain. Don't get me wrong. It's a great country. It's a, a friendly country. Uh, I've been very happy living there. And uh, culturally, it's it's wonderful. Uh, but some of these these attitudes need to change. And, and the thing I will say about Spain is you don't maybe in your day to day, even in the big cities. And, you know, I've lived in Barcelona a long time. I've lived in Madrid uh, for a long time as well. You don't see that many black people in the day-to-day and, and maybe not so many Asian people either. That's obviously changing. But you're talking about big multicultural cities and yet you, they don't have uh, big populations um, of, of black or, or mixed race or, or even, you, you know, Asian um, people, people from, from, from different parts of, of the world that you will see maybe in London, you'll see in Paris and, and other parts of um of Europe. So um, it's going to take time uh, for these attitudes to change. But in terms of what La Liga can do, I think Tebas is right in the, uh, you know, him saying that you need stronger sanctions um, because La Liga have been frustrated in trying to take action and then the authorities basically haven't acted. So, you know, um, the stadium bans, I don't think are going to work too well because unless you've got facial recognition, how are you going to stop those fans from getting a ticket from somewhere else and getting into a different part of a stadium? I'm not sure that's effective. Closing stadiums partially, well, that's going to hit clubs where it hurts. So perhaps that could, could be effective. I think you need you know, tougher sanctions on these people individually. You know, uh, Outside of, of football, don't just take their ticket away. Don't just close uh, off their section of the stadium. But, you know, hit them with with big fines, jail sentences, um, you know, uh, people need to be made to understand that this is not acceptable. And in 2023, you know, in that article that you mentioned, thank you very much, uh, by the way, you know, some of the cases go go back to, you know, the early 90s. And, you know, uh, racism wasn't acceptable then, but it's definitely not acceptable now. We're 30 years down the line. This is a problem that we had in, in English football in the 70s and 80s. And, and it, racism still exists in, in England. It still exists everywhere. But in Spain, it's worse than in other places. So I think we need to really get serious about punishments, uh, about sanctions. And I think La Liga are going to do that. But I still find a lot of these attitudes very, very disappointing. Uh, you know, Ben, I think it's a good point that you said. And you also wrote a good article about it, about how like this really goes back many years. I mean, we've also seen it on Twitter. I think it was Roberto Carlos who was mentioning you know that kind of racism that he was dealt with in, a, in an el clasico but you know going back to also what you said 
this has been happening all across Europe. It's something that has been going on, obviously, um, in in England beforehand. Italy, of course, we've seen that before. And, you know, I'm sure there's been multiple cases in Germany, France, and even other leagues that we haven't mentioned. And I guess my question to you is, you know, seeing all these kind of, like, issues going on, is there a point where you feel that UEFA or even FIFA need to need to step in? Because, you know, obviously... Yes, the, the incident we're talking about is definitely Spain, but you know, obviously, them being the kind of the confederation, and, and in this case, the association of you know handling football across not just Europe but also in the world. I mean, is there a case where maybe they need to step in to say, "Hey, you guys, you know, what you guys are doing is probably not of best interest, and in that we need to do something." So, is that something that could happen if these incidents indeed uh, continue to happen? I think so, Roberto. You know, I think. We need everybody stepping in to get involved and, and to make people realize that, that it's not acceptable. And we've had, you know, for years and years now, if you go to World Cups and, and Champions League games and, and all of these big events, you, there's always a, a video before the game where you have these um, big international stars saying no to racism, uh, no to discrimination and all that stuff. But I think we're past the point now where, uh, you know, slogans don't do it they're not they're not enough and and um we saw the 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 incident the incident with with diakabi that um joe mentioned uh, at the beginning as well where he didn't want to uh pose in front of the uh, la liga slogan because he felt that nothing was done in his case um a couple of years ago uh, when he was racially abused nothing was done about it uh, and now because it's I guess his opinion will be that because it's Real Madrid, um, uh, because it's Vinicius, it's, it's more high profile and it's it's finally being talked about. But also, I, th- I feel that that's a good thing here. You know, Madrid have a lot of influence. Uh, Vinicius, with his uh, massive social media following, also in Brazil, uh, has a lot of uh, sway as well, a lot of clout. Uh, but at least it's it's bringing the issue to attention. So, I d- of course, I feel very sorry for for Diacabi that. That his um, his case wasn't looked at properly. Uh, you know, I think there are countless examples of players going back in time who who will be frustrated that that you know no, nobody really cared or took any action. But at, at least we're we're, to- we're talking about the issue now, and I feel like yes, UEFA and FIFA need to get involved uh, as much as possible uh, to do what they can. And if everybody gets together, perhaps we can solve this once and for all. But like I say, ultimately. It's a society problem. I remember John Barnes talking about this in, in great detail, saying, um, you know, uh, when he was playing, he knew that even though uh, it was only a few people who, who maybe or, 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 um, or, or not or a small percentage racially, racially abusing him in the stadiums, there were a lot of others who, who also had those thoughts. So it's, it's a society problem, ultimately. Uh, but we need to change. We need to involve. And yes, let's get everybody together. UEFA, FIFA, uh, the criminal authorities, police, everyone to take this seriously. And that includes the media as well. And like I say, it's been very disappointing, the, the Spanish media reaction this week. Yeah, and, and really going into that and, and kind of sticking into Vinicius Jr., you know, we know how, and you know, it's kind of wild to even think, and I'm sure you guys understand this as well, but, you know, obviously with Vinicius Jr. being one of the best players in the world and being at a club like Real Madrid, where he is maybe the best player, I mean, yeah, you have players like Benzema and, and Courtois and whatnot, but, you know, 
I guess, Ben, going into this, is that there really that fear maybe that, you know, I think Florentino Perez has said that, that, you know, he wants to keep them uh, for as long as he could. But, you know, you know, there has been that kind of thing of like, hey, you know, maybe for someone like Vinicius Jr., if I'm going to continue to deal with these kind of things and that nothing's happened, I might want to go and, and go somewhere where I feel a bit more appreciated. I mean, is that something that you know, this isn't obviously to excuse the racism that's been going on. And I'm sure, unfortunately, as you said, it's a society thing. It could indeed happen in any other country that he plays in. But, you know, is there that fear that, you know, maybe for someone like Vinicius Jr., that, you know, having to deal with this continuously for, for his time at Real Madrid, that he said, that he probably just says, you know what, enough is enough, and I want to want to get out of here and go somewhere else? Definitely, Roberto. I mean, that's I think it's nine separate cases now of racism against Vinicius, you know, it's happening in it, all over the country in every stadium. And, uh, you know, he at the moment seems to be the, the worst affected. He's by no means the only only player uh, being racially abused. But you, yeah, you know, you look at him, um, how upset he, he is on the pitch and, and angry and, you know, he's welling up, he's in tears. And that's happening, you know, um, almost every time he plays at, at an away stadium. And of course, if you're him, however happy you are otherwise uh, living in Madrid, however much you like the city, your club, your teammates, whatever, um, to go through that horrible experience every time you step on a pitch um, away from home, um, it, it, you know, it's... I can't even imagine it. So, uh, yes, um, I, I would say that it's got to be in his thoughts, you know, um, to maybe uh, moving away somewhere else where, where he's not going to get that kind of treatment. And, of course, like you say, there's no guarantee that it wouldn't happen elsewhere. But, for example, um, I'm not saying that, that England is, is perfect, but I, I don't feel that that he would receive that kind of treatment in England, probably not in Germany, probably not in France, different places. So it has to be in his thoughts. I mean, it would be very, very sad if it came to that because he seems like a player who's very happy otherwise uh, at Real Madrid. But, you know, if it were me and I was getting that kind of abuse every game and you know, reduced to tears, um, being insulted for the, for the color of my skin, it, it's just impossible, like I say, to imagine. So, um, yeah, uh, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Let's hope it, it can improve. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, uh, for him if he wants to improve his quality of life and, and go and play elsewhere. I agree with you. Um, you know, it would be sad to see him leave a place where he's been so successful and really you've, you've watched him grow from coming over from Brazil watch him grow as a player and i've i've actually said this to roberto a few times um it's almost unquestionable he is the best brazilian footballer in the world right now um i don't think i don't think it's neymar i don't think it's either of the two goalkeepers i i think it's vinny junior and i think a lot of that growth has happened before our eyes at real madrid so it would be a shame that he he would leave uh that spot especially because of something like this but According to what I saw, he um, he plans to fight this. Um, he plans to fight racism head on in Spain um, and and try to make a difference. And I think that is going to be something that is great. I hope he's successful um, to, to change the, the mind uh, and the mindset of, of the people there and, and, and really kind of start to squash this. 
Um, I, I do want, yeah, I, I do want to jump in and, and, and try to turn this back to football a little bit, but, um, and it's a good pivot point because one of his, uh, one of his greatest defenders in the immediate aftermath of the racism incident was Carlo Ancelotti. I don't know if, uh, people have seen the, uh, the reporters wanted to talk about the football match at, at the end of the match. And he was like, yeah, we're not talking about that. We're, we're, we're talking about this because this is a problem. Um, I want to ask about Ancelotti real quick because as far as I know, according to my information, he has not renewed as of yet at Real Madrid, but I haven't seen any reports that he is leaving at the end of the season yet as well. Do you know where we stand with Carlo Ancelotti and Real Madrid? Yeah, Joe, that's interesting. I think um, I think Ancelotti's reaction has been been very good. I mean, it's it's the kind of reaction you would expect from him. And yes, as far as I know, and this is Real Madrid, so you never really know, right? But... Um, it looks like he's staying uh, on for another season. And um, and I don't know if that's because yeah, there's no um, there's no replacement, there's no obvious replacement for Ancelotti uh, available at the moment. Yeah, there was talk of maybe Xabi Alonso coming in after um, doing a good job in Germany, but he's staying. There's been talk of Raul, uh, but he's perhaps a little bit too... Um, too inexperienced at the moment, too fresh. Maybe he, you know, he, he's obviously working with Madrid's youth team. He's being um, groomed to become Real Madrid coach in the future, as Zidane was, you know, a few years back. Uh, but probably he's not quite ready yet. So, um, yeah, Ancelotti's done well overall this season. Ultimately, he's been a bit more disappointing yeah, in terms of La Liga, in terms of the way they went out in, in the Champions League to Manchester City. But then, you know, you can't win it every year. They've still won trophies. They won the Copa del Rey. They added a couple of, um, you know, Super Cup, Club World Cup earlier in the season. So, um, yeah, as things stand, uh, I expect Ancelotti to stay uh, for one more season. Um, and then I, I, I guess that they'll have a plan, be it Xavi Alonso, be it uh, Raul or, or somebody else to come in. But with Real Madrid, you never know. Uh, Ancelotti, of course, had this offer from Brazil to take over, which I think would have been uh, really interesting. And maybe it will happen somewhere down the line. I think Brazil have been looking at how well Ancelotti has been working with not only Vinicius, but also Rodrigo. Look at how those two players have come on during his uh, spell at Real Madrid, his second spell. Um, You know, he's just really sped up their development and, um, you know, turned Vinicius, as you say, into one of the best players in the world. Uh, and Rodrigo's not far behind him, you know, uh, scoring uh, a lot of goals in, in recent weeks as well and, and important ones as well, getting back to the Champions League last season. So uh, I think we'll see Ancelotti staying. Uh, that said, you never know with Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We could, for all we know, it could be Zidane part three. Uh, you know, so it, it, yeah. it always, it's always up in the air. Um, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I've secretly always, uh, was hoping that, uh, Ancelotti would leave Real Madrid to be the U.S. men's national team coach instead, but I know that's probably not going to happen at all. Um, I, I want to close out because one of the most interesting, um, races in Europe really is the race at the bottom of the table in La Liga where you have, Seven, seven teams at the time of this recording, seven teams trying to stay out of two positions to, uh, to go down, uh, to the, um, to, to, uh, the, the, uh, relegation, uh, to La Liga too. Uh, and I'll name them. It, you're looking at, uh, Valencia, Celta Vigo, Almeria, Getafe, Cadiz, Valladolid, and Espanol, all within, um, five points of each other. 
And at the time of recording, like I said, we still have um, two matches to go for all of these teams. And, you know, matches will be played later today and then obviously uh, next week on the final weekend of the season. Um, as a general, you know, prediction, you know, look ahead as to what's going to happen here. How do you see this playing out, especially when many of these teams are going to be playing each other for the last two matches? Um, how do you potentially see this uh, the, playing out for these teams? And if you wanted to at, at right now in your gut, again, this is a these um, these predictions would age very poorly, of course. But uh, where do you feel um, the two teams are that are the weakest that may not uh, advance and stay in La Liga next year? So difficult, Joe. I mean, we could start with the obvious one, which is Espanol, right? Because they are three points adrift at, as we speak at the moment. And their next match uh, today is against uh, Valencia uh, at Mestalla. And Valencia have 40 points. They're not quite safe. They're almost safe after beating Real Madrid uh, last weekend. But then they went and lost to Mallorca. So, mm. <laughs> you know, 40 points usually is enough. But uh, this season, I'm not sure it's going to be enough because uh, you've got, you know, uh, Hitafe, Valladolid, and Cadiz all on um, 38, and then you've got Almeria on 39, and so uh, with two games left, you, I'm not sure 40 points will be quite enough. Uh, uh, you would expect Valencia; their home form has been good. Like I said, they beat Real Madrid. Uh, that's a huge game. If, if they beat Espanyol today, yeah, even with a draw, they're, they're probably safe. So uh, I think. It's going to be difficult for Espanyol. They've got more ground to make up and they probably need to win both of their remaining games. So they've got um, Valencia and then they've got their away to Betis on, on, in, in the last game. Yeah, and then, like you, you know, uh, uh, as you allude to, then all of the rest of the teams are kind of playing each other as well. You, you've got um, Hetafe, um, who um, they've got Osasuna next, but then they were away to uh, Valladolid in the, in the last game. You've got Valladolid, who, who looks in big trouble. Then they went and beat Barcelona. They've got Almeria next, and then Hitafe. Um, Cadiz have got Celta, um, and, and Almeria, who, who I mentioned, have, um, have got uh, Valladolid and, and Espanyol. So <laughs> they're all playing each other. Uh, like I say, I think it's going to be difficult for Espanyol. And then out of the rest, I think Valencia are going to be safe. Um, and yeah, <laughs> can I if I could throw a monkey not, not wrench? Not so sure. If I could throw a monkey wrench in it, because just looking it over, I'm my concern would be for Celta Vigo right now as a yeah. as a forty point yeah. team. Their their form has been atrocious. They've only won one match in their last two months, and it was against Elche, who have already been relegated. I, I feel like. If, and of course, there I believe today they are playing Cadiz, and then next weekend they're they, Cadiz, yeah, yeah, and then and they then they play Barcelona, yeah. exactly. So, I, I if I'm Celta Vigo, I'm I'm worried that it could be me, you know. Yeah, it's a worry. They've got forty points, um, so the probably one one win would do it. Uh, but as you say, the recent form has been very poor. Playing Barcelona, and obviously the Celta actually have a, a good record against Barcelona over the years at, mm-hmm. at Balaidos. And let's be honest, it's a good time to be playing Barcelona. You wouldn't want to, to play Barcelona a few weeks ago, but Valladolid proved in, in, in the last game that now is, is the ideal time to be playing Barcelona. You know, uh, they've lost all that kind of tension of um, um, getting over the line in the Liga, the, the champions already. Uh, and since then, they've lost two games. So maybe it's uh, that's 
that's the game they win to to stay up. And they probably don't even need to win. They probably one point will be enough for them. But yeah, um, yeah if they lose to Cadiz, they're, they're in big trouble, definitely. And and so uh, yeah, um, they're a team that's that's been hanging on, haven't they, for years and years and years. Yeah. But but they're still in danger. Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't like to predict it, to be honest. Let's let's see. It's, yeah. it's an amazing race. We've got seven teams there fighting for these five places. It's it's also amazing that forty points might not be enough for safety, and that's that's an amazing thing. It just shows how competitive uh, the bottom of that table was this season in La Liga. Um, ben- it is. You're right, actually, because uh, if you look at the Premier League, for example, uh, you know it used to be talked about this uh, whole getting to. Point, 40 points thing mm-hmm. but in recent years um it, you know um we've seen um, that the teams don't don't get to 40 points anymore it's, it's usually a lot le- lot lot less than that so um yeah the fact that we've got all these teams in spain on on, on in or around that total like you say it shows just how competitive it is for sure ben before we let you go where can ever anyone find your work um as, again like i mentioned that that article on racism was fantastic um, but there's so much more uh, there. So if you could let people know where they can find that. Thank you, uh, Joe. So, yeah, I'm, I, I work for 442 on weekends. Uh, I have a Substack which you can find. It's benhayward.substack.com. You can follow me on Twitter, BG Hayward. Uh, I post all my articles on there. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything. I also have a, a column on La Liga weekly for FOTMOB, which you can find also on my social channels fantastic ben thank you for joining us on the show um always a pleasure to speak with you um and get your insight especially in la liga and all the best to you and we look forward to having you back soon pleasure guys look forward to it thank you thanks very much and special thanks again to ben hayward for joining us on the show roberto we've got a pretty full week this week uh some exciting matches to talk about let's start off with wednesday where we have the europa league final between sevilla and roma at 3 p.m then we actually have midweek matches in mls we're going to give you the philadelphia union and charlotte fc at 7 30 p.m on wednesday on saturday we are going to open with a final the barcelona wolfsburg match women's champions league final kicks off at 10 a.m eastern time then we turn our focus to France, where we have another relegation battle. Nantes and Angers uh, kick off, as well as Angers and Lens. Lens have qualified for Champions League, um, but Angers, Nantes, and Angers are going to battle for relegation. That Those matches all kick off on the final day in France at 3 p.m. And then we go back to MLS uh, in the evening with Seattle and Portland, the Cascadia Derby at 4.30 p.m. On Sunday, we're going to go to Italy, where we have another relegation battle. We have Roma Spezia, Milan Verona, and Lecce Bologna. Spezia Verona and Lecce fighting to stay in the Serie A. All Italian matches on the final day kick off at 9 a.m. Then we close out Sunday with, um, with our 1 p.m. kickoff in La Liga. And they're going to come at you because, like we had mentioned with Ben... At the moment, there are seven teams fighting off relegation. So, with that said, Almeria Espanol, Getafe Valladolid, Elche Cadiz, Betis Valencia, and Celta Vigo Barcelona are your matches to keep an eye out for on that day. Again, Spain kicks off its final match day at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Roberto, you gave a pretty good uh, question. I'm going to try to give you an answer to it, and you can give me a higher or lower. uh, But would you like to repeat the question first? Yes, absolutely. So Luton Town become the latest new Premier League t- side to play in the competition and become this latest team 
to play in it ever since the formation back in 1992. Prior to their introduction into the Premier League, how many different sides have played in this league since its formation back in 1992? I'm going to just throw a number at you. You can give me a higher or lower. Uh, I'm going to go to 46. Higher. Ooh. Um, let's go 58. Lower. One ooh, more shot. Oh, all right. All right. So uh, you're very close, though. You're very close. I'm not going to give you the number, but you're very close. 55. So Luton Town become the 51st different wow. sides to play in the Premier League. Before then, there have been 50 different clubs who have played in it since the formation back in 1992. Fantastic question, my friend. Fantastic question. So without anything left on the planet, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So for episode 390 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Ben Hayward for joining us on the show. Next week, we're going to recap the Europa League final. We're going to look ahead to the Champions League final as they get set to close out the 2022-2023 season. So episode 390 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Rito Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.